two-part mini-series on the end times. I hope you're excited about this. Um, I am very excited about it. Um, the reason why I'm kind of doing this is uh, just in light of all that's kind of going on on the earth. Um, you have all these fears and people talking about different things. Um, you know, ISIS in the Middle East, but it's surrounding Israel. Now Ebola is this great fear. Um, and, 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 you know, there's just so much in the news of, of, of things that are happening. And so I, I just felt, from a pastoral point of view, just to say, God, what are you saying to us? What, what, what would you want to speak to our hearts? And, and so I want to do that. I want to talk a little bit today about uh, just kind of what Jesus says about the end times and uh, what, what he specifically um, talks about as, as, as it refers to the end of the age. And we'll hear from those, uh, those buzzwords, end times, end of the age, those all come from Scripture in different forms. And then next week I want to get into specifically um, what God is calling us to and how we should respond to things that are going on. Um, if you were in the 70s at all, if you were alive at that time, um, there was kind of this crescendo. Hopefully, if you were, let me, let me, let me clarify, if you were in the 70s and you were in the evangelical world, there was this kind of crescendo of, uh, like a lot of end time stuff that was going on. a lot of books that were written around there. Some of you guys remember the, the, the movie, or A Thief in the Night? Anybody else remember that movie? Terrifying youth groups all over the country. It's frightening. That's one of the most scary things. The worst acting in the world gets frightening. So I, I don't know if we were scared from the acting or from the, uh, the, 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 the message of the movie. It was frightening. Um, and what that kind of fostered with this kind of end times and everybody was talking about, especially with people in the 90s, you know, are you going to be left behind? And that was the, the terror that gripped most kids. And I remember as a little kid, you know, six, seven years old, and you come in the house and you can't find your mom, and I'd be left behind. You know, my six-year-old vile self, you know, I'm a sinner, and Jesus has taken the rest of my family, and I'm all alone to survive the apocalypse, and uh, I remember the kid was terrifying. I mean, we can laugh about it now. It wasn't funny then. Walk in the kitchen and come in like, you know, and, I, you know, especially that movie, we watched that movie. I was probably a little too young to see that movie, and yet I saw it anyway. You know, we don't sleep for days. I mean, it's terrifying. And so I wanted to give us a biblical perspective of the end of the age and the end times, um, kind of stay away from some of the fearful things uh, of, of uh, literally scaring people away from hell. Um, we want people to be afraid of hell, but we want people to love Jesus with all their heart. And so we should be paying attention to what Scripture says. That's why we need the Word of God so desperately. And as we contemplate the end times, what's happening, you know, that Scripture is so very important, it's essential to dive in there and find out what God is saying. There are there are a lot of books out there about the end times. There's studies, there's sermons that speak into the subject. Some good, some bad, some really horrible. Um, if you were around in the 80s, you, you remember the book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Going to Return in 1988. Anybody remember that one? 
nothing was flying around. Man, if, 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 if we had Facebook and stuff back then, that would, that would, that would be an in-evangelical world. You need to read this book and you need to get rid Because this guy wrote some very profound arguments of why 88 reasons, 88 reasons why people could go and turn into the And either it didn't happen or we're all in trouble. So we're all together in this one. But there's some, again, there's some good books, there's some things that you get to study, but I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, study the end times, we should do that, but, you know, we, we need to, uh, again, you know, we weigh everything out, uh, out according to Scripture. Scripture needs to be our foundation as we talk about that. And so there's a lot of opinions, there's speculations concerning the end times, when will Christ return? Um, you have this whole idea of peace tribulation or rapture, you know, well, that you can take the church before the tribulation. If you're not familiar with that, we'll explain a little bit about that in a minute. I'm not going to get into a lot of details with this. Um, some people in the middle, middle of the tribulation are going to go. Some people at the end of the tribulation are going to go. And there's a lot of arguments in the eschatology of the city and times about when Christ will return. You know, I, I am not going to break out charts and maps with you today. I'm not going to show you pictures of the four forces of the apocalypse. I'm not going to do that. Um, we're going to just we're going to dive into scripture and we're going to see what Jesus does. Um, it's a topic that many people, Christian and non-Christians alike, wonder about. What's going to happen at the end of it all? Um, again, Christians, you know, we, 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 we believe in most of the evangelical world that Christ will return. Um, he's coming back for his people. Um, he's going to come and he's going to rule and reign forever. So a lot of people go, you know, even the scientists, they see those different things that are happening on the earth, and they say, you know, it looks like some things might be happening. You know, are we going to get hit by an asteroid? Is the Yellowstone, um, you know, volcano, super volcano going to blow up and it's going to obliterate us all? Uh, you know, there's all this talk about what's going to happen. So these are normal, natural questions to ask. How are current events tied to what's going on in the world? Great question. Here's a spoiler alert. At the end of this message, you've got to stay with me. At the end of this sermon, I'm going to tell you how it's all going to So you might want to pay attention. Because I, I, I do know how it's all going to end. So, so, So we're going to be touching on a lot of these questions, but again, from a biblical perspective, staying away from opinions or speculations, um, we're going to look at Scripture, what Jesus said later on, what Paul said. You'll see what Paul and Peter, they both definitely talk about the end times, and you will see that their message, Paul and Peter, they parallel to what Christ said was going to happen. So again, it's very important for us to look at Scripture as we talk about the end of the age. Now, there are things that we look for, uh, you know, there are signs that you should pay attention to, what will be happening during the time of the end. So, the intent is, again, is to prepare our hearts for what might be ahead. For what might be ahead. Um, again, next week, I'm going to talk specifically about what our response should be, what kind of life should we be living. And so, here's the question, are we in the end times right now? Ultimately, I, I don't know. I know that contradiction. I, I told you how it's talking again, but I don't know if we're in it right now. There Again, there's a lot of things going on in the world that give us an indication that we're getting, that we seem to be getting closer. 
Uh, some would say that we've been in the end times since Christ left. Because a lot of people go, well, how long have people been talking about the end times? And literally, when Christ, when He ascended to heaven, that's when people began to wonder if you're in the end times. And you had, remember the disciples asked Jesus, they said, you know, um, is it now that you're going to establish your kingdom? You know, Acts, and Jesus said, it's not known the, the times and kingdom of my Father in heaven. Uh, you know, but, but know that I will return, and, and I'm coming, and, and, uh, and he promised his coming. But they were immediately, as he's, as he's going up, to think about, all right, he's going to return at any moment. And so people have been kind of looking at the end times since first century. Now, there are times in history where the church, and if you, you can go and do the study on your own, but they thought that they might, they might be in the end of the age. And if you think about what's going on at certain times in history, where Christians were saying, whoa, this seems very significant. Again, in the first century, you had intense persecution. There was darkness all around, and, and the believers then were, you know, they were hiding, and they were huddling, and they were worshiping God, and they were being heavily persecuted. So they thought, you know, this persecution would indicate they were there. But the, and then if you fast forward, what about the Dark Ages? There was a great, dark, horrible time in the history of the world, and the, the, you know, the believers that were there, and there were believers that were saying, maybe this is the time of the end. And then if you, again, more recently fast forward to World War II, can you, can you imagine what the believers were feeling and sensing at that time? You have Hitler basically taking over Europe, I mean, and, and how quickly he rose to power. I mean, he went from madman to rising up in power in a span of about six to eight years. And so the believers at that time, you know, and then the atrocities that he was doing to people, to Jews, and to, you know, to all kinds of people that were, the millions that were dying during that time, the believers of that day said, I think he could be in the end times. And there were some that thought, maybe he's the end times. And he's trying to take over the world. But then that time comes and goes. And, and then there's significant times that Israel becomes a nation in 1945, where a lot of believers thought that the end of World War II, Israel becomes a nation, maybe this is the end. And that time came and went. And obviously, there were other times, and even in our day, you know, you think of 9 11, something significant happening that affects the globe. And, you know, and everyone says, you know, it's the day that everything changed for our generation. And so there's all of these things and you can kind of look in history where believers thought we are right at the edge of the end of it all. But ultimately, we don't know. There are things, there's signs again that we can pay attention to that, that, that would say that we're pointing us that we're getting close to. Or we could really be still a ways off. We just, we don't know. Here's what we do know. So we're going to talk about what we do know. We're going to go to the next slide. And you can say, talk about this last week. It's a promise from Scripture. And I got, I got to say, today, what I want to do, I, I want this to be an encouragement to you. I don't want this to be a, a fearful thing. We're told to, we need to, this is a part of the Bible. We need to study about the end of the age. We need to um, look at it soberly and, 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 and say, God, what are you speaking? It's not intended to be kind of this, you know, a fearful message, but just say, God, you're in control. What are you saying to us? 
Here's the promise in Scripture, and Hebrews 12. It says, Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one God who is speaking. That's a great passage to offer. You can take that first sentence and apply it to your life. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to him. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us in heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, he took the earth, and now he makes another promise. So God has made a promise. So this, this is something to pay attention to. God has made a promise. He said, once again, I will take not only earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed. It's a promise from God. Everything's going to be shaken. So that only unshakable things will remain. What's the purpose of the shaking is so that unshakable things will remain. Since we're receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping Him with holy fear and awe, for our God is a devouring fire. There's a lot in, in that passage, and I'm not going to unpack that, but it, what He's promising is there, here's what we do know. There is going to be a shaking and shaking on the earth. We've seen that. When we talk about the things that have happened, these are shakings that are happening all around us. It's because I'm going to shake those things that that are temporary, so that with that which is unshakable will remain. What is the unshakable thing? He tells us it's the kingdom of God. We've been given a kingdom that is unshakable. It is Jesus Christ, and it is His kingdom. That is the unshakable thing. Hold on to that. And so we are seeing things be shaken, the things that we maybe hold to our security, our peace, our hope, the economy is being shaken right now. And, you know, we watch the news and we are teetering closer and closer to an economic cliff. And so the economy is being shaken and how quickly things can change. It's what we put our hope in or our security is being shaken. Our safety is being shaken. Because in America, isn't it true that, you know, for many, many years, you know, you just feel like that we're just kind of tracking along and everything's good. I mean, we're kind of like the church of Laodicea and Revelation. So, yeah, we kind of really have need of nothing. We're very wealthy as a nation. Things are peaceful. We're tracking along. And then we see how quickly things can change, don't we? And I think it's to remind us that those things that we kind of put our hope in can be shaken and fall apart very quickly. Not to, again, not to be afraid, but it's, it's, it's the question is, what are you holding on to outside of Christ, and what do you put your hope in because it's going to be shaken? Because God ultimately, He allows the shaking. The purpose of it is that we, our hearts are drawn to Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God. So there is purpose in the shaking. It's not just God saying, well, I'm going to shake everything just to mix it up a little bit. He's saying, I'm shaken because that I, I want you to run to Christ. I want you to go to my son. I want you to sacrifice and surrender your life to him. Because he, him and his kingdom are the unshakable thing. And so we're promised, here's what we do know. There's some shaking that's been happening. And there's going to need some more shaking that's coming. You'll see this consistent again when we talk about the moment. We're going to jump into what Christ said about the end time. This consistent what Jesus said to all Peter. They talk about shakings as it, as it pertains to the coming of the end of the age. And so it's our response to those shakings that's the utmost important. And so then we're going to get the word and we're going to see what it says about the end of the age. We're going to 
break down some of these passages and pause a moment when we talk about them. And, and so if you like to take notes, you can do that. But uh, we should read and study um, the, again the end times. I'm not going to be looking at Revelation today. Again, that would probably be like a series where we can just kind of talk about all the end times and do like almost a good old school. You can do a whole year of Revelation and still be as confused as when we got to the end of the planet. Now, that doesn't mean that Revelation shouldn't be, that shouldn't be studied. But we're warned in Revelation not to add or take anything away from it. So I'm very careful what we, um, what, what we do with Revelation. And here's the thing. In Revelation, there's, there's symbols and types and there's shadows, and they're talking about the end of the age. Here's what we do know about Revelation. There are a lot of things that are happening on planet Earth when all of this stuff happens, and Revelation is taking place. You know, John wrote this book, he had all these visions of the things that were going to happen at the end. And so there's this, all these unprecedented things that are laid out in the book of Revelation. Things that we only read about. Remember, you know, like the plagues of Egypt and those kind of things that we read about in stories in the Bible and you go, whoa, I can't believe that happens. That stuff and more is going to be happening. The book of Revelation is somewhat a crescendo of all the shakings and it will usher in the kingdom of Christ, and he will stand before it. It's the end of the book. We do know the end of the story. And Jesus wins, and he is the reigning ruler of the kingdom of the No matter what happens, he wins. And so, Revelation is the crescendo of the statements, again, that Jesus ultimately ushers in his kingdom. And so, in there, there are three types of judgments, these series, the, 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 uh, the seal judgments, the bowl judgments, the trumpet judgments, and all this one, and lots of unbelievable things that are happening when it's happening. So it's this crescendo that will happen at the end of the age. Will we be around to see them? I don't know. It seems that we will see at least some of it. All the preacher people just gathered. Won't we be gone? Well, let's see what Jesus says. Um, again, we, we will we will have seen and will continue to see shaking to that's what we do now. So let's go to the word. Let's go to Matthew 24. Um, Matthew 24 is what is called the Olivet Discourse. It's Jesus teaching on the end times. Parallel passage to Mark 13, where it is the same area, Luke 21. You can completely grab the one from Matthew. I'll get a little more in detail here. So let's jump in. We're going to hit the pause button at times and just kind of talk through some of this. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came to him and called to come to his buildings. Do you see all these buildings? He asked, truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another, everyone being thrown down. That's actually probably 70 AD, all the the temple, uh, or the, the walls of Jerusalem were torn down. But as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came in front of him and tell us, they said, when will this happen? What will be the sign of the coming and the end of the age? Great question, right? So they're asking the same question a lot of us have. They're asking Jesus, what will be the sign of the coming and the end of the age? It's our question today. So the disciples have this question. So let's go to the next one. Jesus answered, uh, you know, again, kind of hot, watch out that no one sees you. So this is the first word that they, they say, what's the sign of the coming? What, what is, what's going to be the end of the age like? Isn't it interesting that Jesus doesn't say, 
first of all, like a lot of shaking is going on. What is the first thing that he wants? And you will see his warning. You're going to see Peter and Paul talk about this a lot too. Watch out that no one sees you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. The reason why I wanted to sit right there is Jesus says to watch out, and you will hear again these words about be sober, be alert, be mindful of the things that don't be in fear, but be sober minded. Pay attention. Because what do you think? Deception will abound. Don't be deceived. Deception is going to be rampant. There are going to be many coming in the name of Christ, even proclaiming, if you read that, says, watch out, and no one will you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. A lot of people have said, well, there are going to be people that are saying that they are the Messiah. We're going to have a lot of that. It's going to be false prophets who rise up. If you read that, too, for many will come in my name, they're going to come in the name of Christ, and they're going to be even saying that Jesus is the Messiah. And they can become and be deceivers. In other words, they can have a form of godliness. They can look like a Christian, but are they truly a believer and follower of Christ? And later on, you're going to, we're going to get into what Paul says, and we're going to unpack that a little bit more. But deception will come. A deceiving spirit will be rampant. But here's the thing about deception, is you don't see it. The first step towards deception is to say, I could never be deceived. You are on your way. And so a deceiving spirit will abound, and that's what Jesus turns right out as the first words out of his mouth. And so, walk with Christ intimately, closely, surrendering your heart, Remember what Jesus said, John 15, remain in me, be with me. Because that's how we walk in discernment. That's how we walk free of being deceived. Because we're like sheep, right? Isaiah, we're like sheep. We've gone astray, we're easily led astray. But if we're staying close to the master, that's how we fight against deception. Verse 6. You will hear of the mountain that's going to get into the difficulty, so you will hear of wars and rumors of war. That's not like anything that you But speak to it that you're not alarmed. You'll hear this from Christ too. Don't be afraid. Don't crawl into a hole somewhere and live out your days and make a accomplice and then come out. We made it. You know, um, don't do that. Don't be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. There's one translation that says diverse places. In other words, places that they don't normally have earthquakes and have earthquakes. All of these are beginning of birth pains. Isn't that interesting that Jesus gives the analogy of birth pains? So this list is about the only specifics Jesus gives as far as what's exactly what's going to be happening. Version says there are many troubles along with the birth pain. Many troubles. And so it's just a kind of trouble, you know, like like plural, like a lot of things happening, a lot of shakings going on. We hear the words uh, in other other translations, pestilence, disease. And so some of these troubles could be financial troubles, natural disasters. We see that happening all around us. And what does Jesus say to it that you're not alarmed? 
that you're not fearful, that you're not hopeless, have the right response. And again, he gives the analogy of birthday. Peter, later on, uses the same analogy, like a woman in labor. So what happens, not that I know from experience, except standing next to my wife when she was going through that. I'm not going to say, ladies, that I know what it's like. I, you know, I've been close to almost saying, you know what it's like going through the front of the women about to something that they're not um, But Jesus gives this obvious analogy. And when you've been, you know, with someone that's going through it or you experienced it, ladies, the obvious is birth means they, they start out and they're intense and they're farther apart. And then as it gets closer, what happens? They get closer together and then more intense. And closer together, more. That's what Jesus says. He says, "There's going to be trouble, going to be shaking, and these things will—they'll get closer together, and they'll become more and more intense." And ultimately, I think he's saying, "Well, the, when the birds will rise, I think the birds will be when he returns and sets things right." But there's going to be some trouble, some shaking, some intense things that are coming. But he says, "Don't be alarmed. These things must happen, but the end is yet to come." Verse 9. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith. And it's very important to listen to it. Paul and Peter say something very similar. People will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. There's that word again. Deception. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm or endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. And so, this is already happening in parts of the world. There are people being persecuted. They are being put to death. And we are seeing it now on a level that we have not seen before. People being put to death for being followers of Jesus. And they're being persecuted heavily. And then the question is, will this happen to us? Could it happen to us? And here's the follow-up question. Are you ready at the death? What is your relationship with Christ like that if you were to be persecuted, if you were to be arrested, if you were to be brought before someone and said, renounce your faith or God, would you be ready? And this is not to strike fear, but to be sober-minded. Because let us not think that we are so secure that that kind of thing couldn't happen to us. Are you ready if it does? And then he says, many will turn away from me, the faith. Paul mentions a great falling away that I'm going to talk about in a minute. False prophets will rise up, they'll deceive many. The tendency, again, will be hopelessness. And the love of many that many have will grow cold. And Jesus is saying, it's just, I warned you, I'm telling you, so that you can be on your guard. This is not intended to scare you, but to make you aware, to prepare you for whatever it's called to endure to the end. Because the purpose of all of it 
what is he saying is, is that the gospel he preaches, he wants the gospel to go to the nations. And so God can even use horrific things that are going on to, just like the first century, they went through it in the first century. The first century believers, the, the disciples that went through all kinds of crazy things, and they were being persecuted, they were being executed. But what was happening is many people were coming to Christ. And the church was being birthed out of great pain and suffering. And so the intention of all this is that Jesus will draw people to himself. And we see that. The, the tendency is when these things happen, people look for answers. This is what happened in 9-11. New York churches were, you know, people were coming into these churches and you know, just filing in trying to find out what's happening, what's going on. But isn't it interesting that it doesn't take time, too long where peace kind of sets back in and we get comfortable again. But Jesus wants people to come to know him. He wants to or he's drawing people to himself. And I believe it's going to be a great harvest of hope because God loves people. Verse 15. So the Jesus is coming. Verse 15. So we see standing in the Holy Ghost the abomination of conscious desolation is spoken to the prophet Daniel for Daniel talks about the end times also. So let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. But no one in the house has to go down and take anything out of the house, but no one in the field go back to their clothes. How dreadful will we be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers? Pray that your flight will not take place in the winter on Sabbath. All the Minnesotans will not be For then there will be great distress, unequal from the beginning of the world until now. So there's distress, probably. And never to be equaled again. And so Jesus is talking about the Antichrist coming and the abomination of desolation. Um, it, 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 he will set himself up in authority and power, and he's going to put through for an unholy object of worship. Some people believe it's he himself will set himself up on throne in the newly built temple and, and demand worship. And I think we'll see that with Paul and Peter's mind. And so, what, again, Jesus said things are going to get bad, shaking, troubled. They're going to be happening all around us. Now again, Jesus is filled with love. He's not trying to throw fear and danger. This is a reality. 22, verse 22. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. And it's going to be bad. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be short. And at that time, if anyone says to you, here's another warning. Look, here's the Messiah. There he is. Do not believe it. The false Messiahs and false prophets will appear. They will perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. The elect talking about God's chosen people, those people that were given their lives to Christ. And he says the deception is going to be so bad that it's impossible even to deceive the elect of God. How bad is the deception going to be? And then he says something very interesting in all of this. What we're talking about the first one I've told you all the time. That's what we're talking about. Jesus has told us all the time. So if anyone tells you there he is out in the wilderness, do not go out. Here he is in the inner room, do not believe it. First, why do you need to come from the east and visit him in the west? So we'll be the coming and coming in. So again, Jesus talks about deception and rampant, false prophets, false messiahs, signs, wonders, miracles. To deceive even possible the elect of God. So some of that stuff will look awesome in the midst of great trouble. And because of trouble, people will be looking for answers. 
And if they can find people that are doing miracle signs and wonders, they have a tendency to run to them. Hey, look, this person's having a meeting, and they're doing signs and wonders, and this has to be God, right? And Jesus said, no. No, 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 no. Oh man, they're, they're, they're making people like come out of wheelchairs and they're healing blind eyes and they're making the lame walk. That has to be God, right? And Jesus says, no, it does not have to be God. Because the cry will be, there he is, but Jesus says, don't believe it. And here's the warning if we only work with Jesus for signs and wonders or what he can do for us, you're open for deception. But we worship him for who he is. Now, we believe that He does miracles. He's a miracle-working God. There's nothing impossible to Him. But we're so in love with Him, so we make Him love it. It's a surrendered life. And out of that place, yes, He can do miracles, but even if He doesn't, He's still worthy of my heart. But if I'm rampant during trouble and I'm just looking for signs, wonders, and miracles, Jesus, if you want, there's a lot of that going on. Be careful of what you're signing up for. Verse 28. <laughs> Wherever there's a carcass, there's vultures from gathering. Jesus saying it's obvious things that happen. Immediately after the distress of those days, or the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not be the light. The stars will fall from the sky. The heavenly bodies will be shaken. There's that word again. Then, then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with the power of their glory. And he will send his angels with a loud sound of call. And they will gather his elect from the four winds one, from one end of the heavens to the other. I think you're looking at the last of the church that they take him off of the church. Now learn this lesson from the picture. As soon as his twigs get turned and his leaves come out, you know that someone's near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is, that it is near by the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until these things have happened. Another consideration that's going to be these things. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Verse 36. But about the, the next slide there. Boom. But about the day or the hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying, living in marriage. Up to the day, no one entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the hand of the mill, one will be taken, the other left. Therefore, keep watch. With the words, keep watch. In other words, be mindful. Because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, that the owner of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour which you do not expect him. So there's Jesus in the end time, Matthew 24. There will be some obvious things going on to indicate that his coming is near. But what he says is we don't know the day or the hour, the specificity of it. We don't know the signs. There will be signs in the sky. There will be signs in the seasons. And then he will come and he will gather those who belong to him. Rapture. That word rapture is not in the Bible. It's a catching up in the air. If you read Matthew 24 and Jesus' take on the end times, I cannot see where there is a pre-tribulation walk to the church. Collective gas. 
I believe that those who are alive in this time, it could be us, will see things play out. I think we're going to see a part of the tribulation. I think that we will most likely see the rise of the Antichrist if we're alive in that time. It could be a way that these major events. Could I be wrong? Absolutely. But here's what Jesus says. Be ready no matter what. What does he say? Keep watch. Be sober. Be ready. Be mindful. Don't live in fear, but be prepared in your heart and spirit. I hope I am wrong. But I think if you look at Scripture and you unpack it, it's hard to think that we're going to be snatched out of here and then the tribulation. I think that we're going to speak to you today. What does Paul say? We're going to jump in there and move quickly through this stuff here. This parallels with what Jesus said. Second Thessalonians 2. Here's what Paul said. Paul is the apostle. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us. So what does he start out by saying? Don't be alarmed. Don't be unsettled. Instead, it's because of teaching, whether by prophecy or by word of mouth, by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you. Does this sound familiar? In any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs. Apostasy falling away. That's what that word there is. And the man of lawlessness is revealed. The man of lawlessness, the man of wickedness, the antichrist, the man of destruction. So if you read that, it says, Don't let anyone mislead you that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone say that. But that day will not come until the apostasy the falling away occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or his worship, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. And remember what Jesus said, the abomination that is in the temple. I think that you're seeing that right here. Verse 5. Don't you remember when I was with you? I used to tell you these things, Paul's talking to the church, and he says, I know you know what is holding him down, so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the superpower of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his tongue. In other words, also Jesus So that day will come until the rebellion occurs or apostasy. Um, that word of rebellion that we saw in the first chapter of the, 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 the screen before this week. He said there is going to be a great apostasy, a great falling away. What did Jesus say? There's going to be a deception that comes to make people fall away from the faith. And so Paul is talking about the same thing that Jesus is talking about. That one of the things is he says, don't be deceived. Don't be easily deceived because there's going to be a great falling away. So what is this? There's going to be a time of rebellion to the Lord that people can fall away. The indication here is that a large number of people who have some level of faith and some level of truth and walk in some level of truth fall away. Again, this isn't talking just about unbelievers. This is talking about people that have had a sense been following Christ where they, you know, and then you can have an argument where they truly say they're not truly saved. I'm not going to hear the debate that today. But they have some level of faith. And he said that there's a rebellion of falling away. Falling away means that you have fallen from a place of something that you have attained. Peter says it this way. It's not up here, but 2 Peter 3 says, Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, 
Be on your guard so that you're not carried away by error in the, of the lawless one and fall from your secure position. See what he's saying there? He's saying this is a parallel passage with what Paul just said. Talking about the same thing. Falling away apostasy. A great falling away with a man of lawlessness being revealed. This is the Antichrist. He's exalting himself over everything his call God or worship. He will set himself up as somewhat of a world religious authority. What that looks like, I'm not sure what that looks like. But be ready for anything. And then talk the lawlessness will be going on. What does that mean? In anything goes. We make our own rules. He gives some descriptions later on. I'm not going to pull those passages out. He said you're going to deceptive teaching. There's going to be people that, uh, that they don't walk in the truth. They're going to be lovers of money, lovers of pleasure. They're going to be boastful. They're going to be arrogant, proud, brash. They're going to be rebellious. And so these are some of the things that lawlessness. Every man for himself, in other words. Do whatever you feel like doing. Let's go to the next slide, verse 9. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power, your through signs and wonders that serve the law. Jesus is the truth, the Antichrist serves the law. And all of the ways that wickedness deceives those who are there for they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the law. And so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth and have delighted in the wickedness. And so how will, how will there be a falling away? A great apostasy. I used to wrestle with this. What's going on? And again, here's a couple of ways. Number one, and you can tie this to what Jesus and Paul say, they are people that are living for signs and wonders and not Jesus himself. If they're just signing up for signs, wonders, and miracles, I think that you're going to see this. Because then what happens is I sign up and I see those things, but I'm not really getting what I thought I was going to get. And so my heart will grow cold and it could be a falling away. Or what about suffering? It's another way. Unanswered prayers where things are shaking and there's lots of trouble and we're wondering what's going on. The tendency is that my heart grows cold and say, well, if all this happening, God must not love us. So if he doesn't do things like that, he doesn't find the answer the way I thought he was. We can hear from the truth. And he's deceived. The other way, people will be deceived is found in 2 Peter 3. Let's go to the next slide. And this is a very important one. 2 Peter 3. Dear friends, this is now the second letter of you. I've written both of them in mind and continue to give the thinking. Right thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the Holy Prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior for your prophets. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, Scoffers will What are the scoffers going to say? They're scoffing and following their own ears. They will say, what? Where is this coming from? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. What are they saying? Where is this coming that He promised? Nothing's changed, in other words. That's what they're going Everything's going along. Where is the promise coming that He said? Scoffers are going to come. And what I think that they're saying is, where's the rapture that you said was going to happen? I thought you were. I thought you said we were all going to be snatched out of here and not have to endure this stuff. 
where's the comment? I don't think it's too hard to argue that point there. But he tells them to have wholesome thinking, right thinking. He says, again, scoffers will come, and that will tend, the tendency is to affect our heart. And if the rapture hasn't happened, we thought the rapture was going to happen, this could cause hopeless for some people to fall away. And what Paul warns in other end-time passages that says the love of many will grow cold, people will abandon their faith, hearts will melt with fear, and hopelessness will abound. So in closing, I, why do we talk about this? And I, my, my heart for you is not to go out of here depressed and fearful. Jesus talked about it. Paul talked about it. Peter talked about it. They talked about it to the churches and the people that they were around. And we should pay attention to what's going on. It was to prepare them and it's to prepare us. That's why we talk about it. To know what is going to happen, but not have a wrong response when it does happen. Again, to not give in to fear, but be ready to give an answer. Remember what Peter said in the context of this, he says, be ready to give an answer for the hope that's in you. In other words, for a, a hopeless, fearful, cynical world says, why do you guys have so much hope? And it says, because of Christ, and we can lead them to Christ in the midst of it. To not forsake your faith. To not presume on God that you have everything figured out. But if you look at the disciples and their lives as a testimony in the first century, in that time, again, there were great persecutions. The Christian was brutal. Most of the disciples died horrible deaths, didn't they? Horrible deaths because they followed Christ. That was their crime. Crucified upside down, boiled in oil, filleted with knives. These were realities that happened to them. Because you see, they, they knew it was possible that it could happen. To them, suffering and persecution was a part of the package of being a follower of Jesus. They didn't say, Christ will follow you, but if you don't mind that whole suffering, persecution thing, if you could kind of keep that away from us, that'd be great. We could just put in a request. We could come follow me. We'll drop our nets if you can give us a few promises here. Can we sign a contract? So I don't want to have to suffer. When they dropped their nets and they began to follow Jesus, and he began to model them. Now, a lot of times they didn't get it, and they struggled with what we do. But they, it, it, it's almost like they understood, especially when they saw Jesus go to the cross. And then afterwards, and they had their hope because they saw the risen Christ. What gave them hope is they saw the resurrected King. And they said, you know what? Persecution and suffering are going to be part of the package, but we will rule and live with Him forever. So it's only temporary. But they saw persecution, they saw suffering as a part of the package to follow Jesus, which was up to happen. And they died horrible deaths. But they died triumphant. They died victorious. They weren't railing against God or abandoning their faith because of what was happening. And so we've been told what to expect, things to be attention to, the trouble that we even see happening in current events. Are we at the end of the age? I don't know, but we're closer to today than we were yesterday. How's it all going to end? I'm going to tell you right now how it all is going to end. Here's the 
Gentiles are in the end, you and I will come to the end of our race. There is either going to be an end of the age or there's going to be an end of your age. I guarantee you that. That is definitive. We will either stand before Christ as we have made it through horrific things on the earth and He calls us to Himself or we are going to die and we're going to stand before Christ. But no, make no mistake about it. Every human being that's ever lived, that is living now, will live, will give an account to Christ. They can stand before Him as a righteous judge. And they will give an account for their lives. That's guaranteed in Scripture. In our lives, we will endure some things. Some minor, some major. Some of you guys have endured lots in your life. You know what it means to suffer or maybe be persecuted at some level. We may see things play out that we have read. We may see biblical prophecy unfold right in front of our very eyes. But whatever comes, the guarantee is this we will stand before Christ and give account for our life. No doubt about it. And the judgment of our lives will come down to one thing. What did you do with the sacrifice that Jesus made for your sins? Was He Lord and Savior of your life? Did you surrender to Him or did you live your own way? Did you reject Him? Did you forsake Him? Did you only live for Him for what He could just do for you? Or did you live for Him in loving relationship? Did you put your hope and trust in His sacrifice on the cross for your life? Did you sacrifice your life completely? For all these things we will give an account, and that is guaranteed. And here's the promise in Scripture. We will either fear, we can, I can show you this in Scripture, you will fear one of two things, well done, good and faithful servant. You trusted me. You loved me. There were times, just like this time, you didn't get it, but you lived for me. When you blew it, you repented. You put your faith and trust in my sacrifice. You didn't try to save yourself. You didn't try to just be good. You didn't try to just be nice. You understood that no one could. When you put your faith in me, well done. Answer. It's your eternal promises. Or the other thing is, depart from me and never knew you. Jesus said that is a sobering reality that there will be people. And I think he's going to still be broken heart. Not emotionally broken. Jesus is not like that. He's not like us. But uh, it, it, it's, we're going to see what was all done for us and some certain things we rejected. And, and he says that he will say to those to help you and never knew you. No, knowing you intimately, knowing relationally. I never knew you. One of two things. Are you ready? Are you prepared for the end of the age? Or are you prepared for the end of your age? We could see things happen very quickly as this, you know, like, like you, know, you think about again in World War II, how quickly Hitler did all he did in a span of a few years. So we, we know by history things can happen quickly. 
Are we there yet? Are we at the edge of the door? I don't know that. We, we could be years off from something things. But we do know this. That all of us will stand before Him. We need to be ready no matter what. Is it pre-trip, mid-trip, post-trip? Are you ready for any of it? Do you have your eyes on Him? Do you live with Him? Are you ready? Because that's what Jesus says. What will be warned? Be ready? Be sober-minded? Don't live in fear? Don't be gripped with fear? Don't be deceived? But keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus all the days of your life. Do you stand Before I close the prayer, I want to invite you out this evening at 6 o'clock. Um, we're going to have a call with prayer and worship. Um, and we're going, to be, yeah, we're going to be praying for specific things. We're going to be, um, you know, we're, part of what we're going to do is we're going to be having a time of repentance of the church. Second Chronicles 7 14, that, that, you know, that, that famous pastor of God speaking to the people who are called by my name to know what the ways and understand the evil. Hear from heaven, I will hear from heaven, I'll heal your land. And often, if you look at the world and you say, if those people would get their ass you know, you pick out groups in the world that we don't like, that we disagree with, or things that are going on in current events, or those people. And God says, well, no, my people. Well, what is your response? And so it's really about our response. Tonight, we're going to have going to be times of worship and celebration, we have times of repentance, times of focus, prayer for our nation. We need to really pray. Prayer matters. We should come together and pray and speak the Lord. And so I'm going to invite you out tonight at 6 and you can make it to the office and you pray with me. God, thank you for this day. Jesus, thank you for your heart for us. Lord, you gave this, uh, this profound message about the end of the age before the ultimate of your love. And you want us to be ready for no matter what happens. Lord, whether it's we see all of this stuff unfold, or, Lord, that you uh, you take us home and then it's time for us to go, that we're, we leave this earth in death. Lord, either way, we want to be ready. We want to hear what you're saying to the church. We want to be ready, prepared, but we don't want to live in fear. We don't have one of the wrong response, but we have the right response that you have told us these things and that we're living for Jesus every day. Lord, pray for precious people. Thank you for their lives. Thank you, God for what you're doing in our midst. And I pray, God, that we would redeem the time. And ultimately, Lord, we want to see the gospel go forth from this place, from all of us, from this church, the people who come to know Christ, people who love you, people who were once dead in their sins and now alive in Jesus. That is our heart. God, we love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have an awesome day, an awesome week.